It seems like forever ago now, but Eric, do you remember when the concepts of lockdown and quarantine were new, just like this novel coronavirus? That wasn't years ago at this point, Catherine. Crazy enough, no. But while some of those restrictions have since eased and most of us are getting used to this new version of life, at the time it was all so jarring. You had the forethought to suggest we record an episode at the height of lockdown back in April. I was still in Nairobi, Kenya, visiting my sister, her new baby, and my dad. We were hunkered down in a totally different reality than you were experiencing here in Los Angeles. I thought it was crazy just sheltering in place here, but I figured it would be fascinating to hear all about what you were going through over there, too. Totally. Plus, this got us thinking about how our attitudes toward travel might change in the future. So, just a reminder, the following is like a time capsule. It was recorded in the spring when this was all even more mysterious, scary, and new. Hello, and welcome to Conscious Traveler. I'm Eric Rosen, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Catherine Remine. We're two travel writers, and Conscious Traveler is our podcast celebrating sustainability, conservation, culture, and community around the world. By sharing our stories and those of fascinating experts, we aim to help you make your next adventure more meaningful and memorable. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Catherine, how are you? Eric, it's so great to hear your voice, even though I can't see your face. (laughs) It's unusual in this state of things. So what time is it there? It is a little after 7 a.m. 7 a.m. And it's a little after 9 p.m. where I am. So why don't you tell me where you are? I am in Nairobi in Kenya. Catherine, I don't know if you know this, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So what are you doing in Kenya? (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. Here, there are signs of that, for sure. I'm here because my sister was having her first child. Well, she was due March 29th. And so the plan was always for me to be here and be on her birth team because she was planning a home birth, which she did have in early April. How did it go? It was incredible. She was a champ. And what did she have? She had a boy, my Mm -hmm. first nephew, and his name is Atlas, which seems very appropriate considering his parents are American and Australian Swiss and he was born in Kenya. Yeah, he's globe spanning already, even though he's only been in one place so far. What a strange time to bring a little baby into the world. It is, but it's also kind of the best blessing He's just this little actual bundle of joy. It sounds trite, but he's the most positive, hopeful, beautiful, little peaceful, happy being and has given us something, the only thing to sort of focus on right now. So we don't really pay attention as much as possible to the pandemic because it's like our whole world is within this little house on a lake and he's just the best. So he's made it really perfect. And I feel like when you have an infant, you don't really want to go out anyway. So for them, it's actually kind of the perfect timing in a weird way. So it's like quarantine nesting almost. Yeah. I think any new parents like nesting anyway, and doesn't really feel the need to try to go out into the world or be exposed to a lot of people. They want to control the germs coming in anyway. So it's just like an extreme version of that. Yes, and far from home, far from where you grew up. I know it's where your sister lives, but it's sort of doubly, you're creating a new kind of home space very far from where you actually live, which must be an interesting sensation. It is so far. It's, as you know, I have Keith at home, and so he's very far away. And the time difference, as you said, it's like 7 a.m. here, 9 p.m. there. It's not very conducive to chatting a lot. So we have to really make an effort to find time to make video dates and have calls and send voice notes. Keith is your boyfriend, but we'll get back to him in a minute because... (laughs) 
the pandemic has created all sorts of relationship or rather brought up a lot of relationship questions, but adding travel and quarantine and lockdown to it is another level. But I wanted to ask, so your plan to go to Kenya and see your sister has been in place for a long time, obviously. You see a baby coming from a ways away unless you're on some sort of special TV show where you don't realize you're pregnant until the last minute. And so you really, in the weeks leading up to it, the lockdowns got stricter and stricter. Country after country was closing its borders and you still decided to go. What was the state of things when you left? How were you feeling about them? Did you have any doubts or was it just a matter of I'll get there and then I'll determine the next steps after the baby comes? It was really a very strange time to be planning this big trip because I was planning on being here about a month and then I planned to go to Bali for two months where I live part-time. Keith was going to meet me in Bali in May and I was planning on being here till like mid April, maybe going to Zambia on the way to Bali or something. I was mentally prepared for this three-month trip. I was not willing to let anything deter me. I knew that the coronavirus had potential to become this pandemic and I knew it would spread or, you know, that's what people were saying. So I was prepared for that, I guess, in some way, but I also wasn't feeling very willing to let my plans change. And Keith and I had actually planned a trip to Buffalo. That was the weekend before I left for Nairobi. So we did go to Buffalo and that was around the 12th of March. So it was just when people were starting to have kind of discussions about closures of things or lockdowns or various kinds of measures. And so it was this very surreal time to be in Buffalo. They had no cases. So we were kind of like, oh, well, we're safe here because there's been zero cases. There are a couple of cases in New York City, but we're fine in Buffalo. And it was St. Patty's weekend, but all of the festivities that are normally huge there got canceled and people were pretty upset. And we went on a walk on Sunday, which was when the St. Patty's parade would have been. And, you know, most things were closed. I remember going to CVS to try to find some vitamins for my sister that she had asked me to buy her. I was trying to stock up on wet wipes and masks and all these things. And it was already all sold out of the stores. And wow. I felt like, okay, you know, this is going to be a weird experience. But then flying through JFK, I ended up having to move my flight up two days because I kind of had the foresight that Kenya was maybe going to do a lockdown and I was right. So mm -hmm. I moved my flight up just in time and skipped a two-day stint in New York City where I was going to meet editors, which obviously would have been canceled anyway. You were really yeah. in the thick of it though, right? Like it went from empty shelves to like, oh, borders might be closed. If I need to get to my sister, I better do it now. Yeah. And you made that game time decision. So in the moment, I'm sure it was like, well, I made this plan. I'm going to follow through on it. But in the back of your mind, were you thinking I could be stuck in Kenya for the foreseeable future? <laughs> for some reason, I don't think I really thought I'd be stuck in Kenya at that point. At that point, I was still thinking, okay, I'll get there. I'll spend a little time. Then I'll go to Bali. And if I end up in Bali for months, it's fine. I still really thought I was going to Bali at that point. And it is funny to think back because I, I look at my stubbornness of not changing my plans and how now in trying to get back home, I've had no control over anything. You know, I've literally had to give up control over most of my life. It feels like I haven't been able to make choices for myself because every flight I've been booking has been canceled. And it is this really, maybe it's a lesson for me if you can't control everything and you can't be stubborn about it. You have to be flexible and just kind of roll with it sometimes, which I've been having to do here. Hmm. Um, I feel like this is a lesson that life teaches us over and over again in many forms 
travel's an interesting one because you know me. I'm a very type A planner sort of person. <laughs> I pick the exact seat I want on the exact aircraft type that I redeem my miles for. But you know, there are equipment switches and things like that too. That has your travel experience in the past prepared you for giving up some of that control and just sort of, I guess, being a little bit more in the moment? Yes, I think so. You know, as you know, when you travel, especially to somewhere you haven't been before, there's always an element of unknown and, and, going with the flow and kind of just experiencing a place. And I will say a silver lining of this, of being stuck in Nairobi for two months has beyond the obvious one of Atlas, because that's the most incredible gift I've had. But even though I'm not in my home, I'm in my sister's home. It kind of feels like it's my home now where I've been here for two months and I kind of know what's going on here. I know the place a bit. Obviously we haven't been going out, so it's different from really getting to know a place, but I've, you know, we've been around local people because her midwife and doula come over and I've been around them and it is nice to be in a place for a longer, more extended period of time and kind of feel like you get under the skin of it a little bit more. You feel like more of a local and less of a tourist. And that's, this has been a good reminder of that being something that I really enjoy. Obviously it would have been better if we could go out and actually do stuff around the city, but Mm. in a perfect world, it is a nice reminder of the idea of not just going to a place for three or four days. Like we're so accustomed to in our industry where, you know, it's come to Fiji for three nights or, I mean, I've been invited to Zambia for four days from Mm -hmm. the U.S., We'll fly you back and forth. That would have been no real big deal. But I think about it now as, no, I want to spend time here. I think there are two interesting things with what you said, which have been resonating with me, which are that the idea of experiential travel and what so many of these companies, including Airbnb, let's say, and even the big hotel companies are getting into are less of the come check things off a list and really actually immerse yourself in a place you've essentially been forced to do that (laughs) Mm -hmm. in a place where, you know, your sister is there, your father's there with you and, you know, you have a new baby. So it's not like you're having a tourism experience necessarily, but you have had to adjust to essentially being an expat in a very short amount of time. This is a very different type of experiential travel too. It's not like you're going into a local lady's kitchen to take a cooking class or learning how to dye textiles or anything like that. This is a very sort of like, oh, this is a new life for a moment kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I feel like I've been plopped into living an expat life in Kenya, hearing my sister and her partner talk to their friends about where to get certain things. Or we now order tortillas from a friend's nanny who's Kenyan makes great tortillas. Now we know who to come to for the best tortillas in Nairobi, which is excellent. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) These weird things that I wouldn't have thought about, like, oh, I'm really in the thick of being a local here in a different way, in an expat way, but still getting to know how things work a bit is interesting. Totally. And in a way that's not like, oh, here are the 10 hottest bars in Nairobi, or like, here are three things to know about the National Park in Nairobi, which is something you and I would normally have to write about on a trip to a place like that. Instead, Mm -hmm. it's literally like, how do I get this mailed? Or... (laughs) Where do I get this item that we absolutely need, which is so much, it's such an essential part of the travel experience anyway. And yet it's not this sort of glossy magazine experience. It's the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. Totally. Although you mentioned it, we are going to Nairobi National Park this afternoon to do the baby's first little safari drive. So I look forward to your piece on five essentials for baby's first safari drive coming out in parents magazine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
It's like being here, I can't imagine, well, I'm an ocean person. So obviously it would be amazing to be able to get in some salt water right now. But if I can't be on the beach, this spot that I am is completely magical because we're on a lake and it looks like we're in the forest or in a jungle walking around this neighborhood, which you could do for like eight kilometers without leaving the gates. And there are vervet monkeys that, well, they steal our bananas. Isn't that... (laughs) They actually steal the bananas. And as you said to me earlier this week, you never know when they're going to come through. <laughs> you do not. And they are pretty sneaky. They're very cheeky little monkeys and they can pop in the windows and send the babies in to steal our fruit. But, you know, they're running around. I've become a little bit of an amateur birder, <laughs> which sounds incredibly nerdy, but it's pretty fun because there's all sorts of avian life on the pond. I'm sitting here looking up, what is the bird in Kenya that swims, but it's not a loon. And I've learned there's this whole species called grebes or grebes or something. And they dive down and they swim and they catch fish. And then I've learned it's 7.30 in the morning and ugh, it's the Hadada Ibis. They're just making all their noise, leaving their roost for the morning. And then they are going to do it again at 5.30. (laughs) I call those the Kenyan alarm clocks. Oh, they're the worst, aren't they? (laughs) I don't know. I've never been to Kenya, but based on your description, that's what I call them now. They really are. They are so loud and they're ugly. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you went birding here in LA? I've never gone birding in LA. (laughs) I'm trying to think of a place I've been as interested in birds before. And it's probably on safaris because you know, too, when you're on safari, you see some pretty amazing birds. But yesterday I saw this gorgeous iridescent turquoise and ruby red hummingbird that was feeding off of some flowers in the yard. And we'd get these little yellow-breasted birds. And there's this Egyptian goose that had seven little goslings right around Easter. It was the sweetest little thing. I'm glad you sort of mentioned this too, because I went to Angeles National Forest this weekend, which, you know, was one of the parks that was reopened some of the trails. So my partner, Jeff, and I decided to go there just to get out of the city a little bit took about 45 minutes with no traffic. I'll say I've never been to Angeles National Forest while living in Los Angeles for 15 (laughs) years, which is embarrassing and made me want to do it that much more. But as we were hiking, we saw all these different kinds of butterflies and all these different kinds of flowers where we look them up afterwards. And I kept thinking to myself, this is a travel experience I could have on any given weekend in my own city. And Jeff and I, we didn't give ourselves enough time this weekend. So next weekend, we're planning to pack a picnic lunch and a bunch more water and just go do that, you know, for ourselves to have that experience here in Los Angeles, which is something I keep saying I'm going to do. Like, um, you have to, as a travel writer, as you know, get to know your own backyard before anyone's going to, you know, you have to know what the restaurants or the parks or the hiking trails or whatever in LA are before someone's going to say, sure, kid, go to Paris Mm -hmm. and, you know, write an article about that. But it really reinforced it to me also because we have been so locked down here to think like, oh, it's such a joy to have this wide open space to go enjoy for ourselves, to learn something new over the course of the afternoon, even if it was about a half dozen flowers. That was enough just to be sustaining and to fill that little travel need that I had. Although midway through the hike, I told Jeff, I was like, you know what I really want is just to be able to take a swim in the ocean. And he (laughs) rolled his eyes at me so hard. Oh, no, but I'm so glad you said that because I do think this has made me realize that it doesn't necessarily take going halfway around the world to see something so rare or exotic to have nice or meaningful or special 
or memorable experience. You can have that closer to home. You could have that in more seemingly mundane ways. We downloaded an app that allows you to identify flowers and plants on our walks. We just go around taking pictures of all these different wild things that we see. And we're like, oh, that's called Spanish sword or whatever. It's just fun and cool. And you're learning something and you're enjoying the beauty of nature. And you haven't had to go a billion miles away in order to learn something and to just have some beauty in your life, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think the learning is what speaks to me most about travel and having chosen this as a profession is indulging curiosity. And I was going to say too, like apart from getting out of the apartment, (laughs) which has been very nice, that one of the things that this time has allowed me to do, even though it's killing me not to be able to get on an airplane and see some interesting things, is I finally, as part of decluttering my apartment a little bit, have unpacked some of these souvenirs that I've bought over years and years. And it's been allowing me to reconnect all these little things that I've collected and haven't been home for a long enough period of time to actually enjoy are coming out of the closet and making an appearance and keeping me happy. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, I love that. I wanted to ask is... Like you were saying, you got to, <laughs> I was going to pop by Kenya to help my sister give birth, go to Zambia, and then meet my partner in Bali. I think it sounds crazy to anyone, but I'm sort of like, of course you would. And then you'd pop through whatever, you know, you'd transit through Singapore or, you know, Kenya Airways flies through Bangkok. So I'm sure your flight would go through that. Where for you and me, it's not a crazy thing to think, oh, I'll be home in about a month. And in the meantime, I will have stopped by three different continents and flown around the world rather than going someplace and coming back. Or I'll have visited these exotic places, these once in a lifetime kind of places for like two or three nights each for this particular story or that particular angle. And I'm wondering, after this experience, I have been thinking about these trips differently. Even before the pandemic, I've been thinking, obviously, I don't just want to pop over to Europe for two nights or down to the South Pacific or over to Australia for five days. Part of that is, you know, Papa's getting old. I I just can't weather that anymore. But also, I've been thinking about it more in terms of environmental impact, in terms of actually getting a sense of the place that I'm visiting beyond simply what I'm being shown at any moment, being able to absorb things and being home, at least being able to see my family, talking to them so frequently, being with Jeff has made me think a little bit more about traveling for a purpose if I travel and also traveling in ways that are more focused and concentrated rather than just who happens to be having something going on or where an editor thinks something interesting is going on. Being able to maybe put some of those things together so that it's more meaningful to me altogether because for a while to come now, it seems like we will have to have a good reason to travel and brave Mm. potential lockdowns, quarantines, either going somewhere or returning home and make sure that it's worthwhile. And I'm wondering what you're thinking on that topic is. Well, all of your points I would agree with. And I feel like that's one of the reasons we wanted to start this podcast anyway, it was, mm. was the idea of both of us feeling, as you said, before this pandemic even began, feeling like we wanted to have these experiences that were more meaningful or more special and not doing this sort of overview or the quick hits or the TripAdvisor top 10 sites. And I'm not slamming that because some people want to do that. And I, I fully respect that, but. And they're useful. I read those. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's definitely useful. And I think after you travel a certain amount though, you seek a little something more or a little extra, I guess. And for me, I think that I've learned that that takes time and it's not 
about packing as many places into a year as I can. It's more about spending time in the places that I can dig into and really learn something and that have a unique culture where I can find out the sort of inner workings in a way and get the history and get the lifestyle and try to maybe learn something that I could do to make a difference or help myself through their lessons. So I think it's definitely because of the pandemic and I realize now how many barriers are going to be up in regards to travel bans and quarantines. You're going to really have to really, really want to go somewhere in order to brave that or be willing to take those chances of potentially getting ill or potentially getting stuck somewhere. So I think it almost is more of an opportunity. If you are going to plan a trip, like you really want to go somewhere that means something to you. This almost has tempered my, not my wanderlust, but sort of the more frenetic pace at which I have been traveling the last few years. And you think about like impermanence and the idea of what a place is like now versus what it'll be like in 10 years versus what it was maybe like 10 years ago. And kind of thinking about where I want to go, that it is going to be different or that will be changing and see it before it changes or before this culture disappears. The places that have more to explore, I think, are the ones that are kind of calling me now. It does feel really unknown, like how we're going to go about doing our jobs. And it's funny because the last few days we've met a few neighbors and chatted on the street, you know, as we're walking and I've said that I'm a travel writer and everyone inevitably, as you know, is always like, that's the dream job. How do I do that? Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. And you think, well, okay, I'm a travel writer in a time of coronavirus. How is that going to (laughs) work? Mm -hmm. Am I still a travel writer? How are we going to travel? My conversations are usually, oh, that's a dream job. Lately, they've been like, how are you? What are you (laughs) writing about? (laughs) Yeah. But that's a question that you and I are going to have to answer for ourselves. It's a question you and I are going to have to talk to our editors about. And it's something that As you mentioned, it's one of the reasons we started this podcast, which is to say we're re-examining what travel means to us and what it's going to have to mean to get us on that plane and to a new place, especially in this short term where everything is so uncertain. Both of us have the passion. I know you certainly do. And I have uh, the passion that has not died down in me to go do that and explore and not to be afraid but to still be careful, not just for our own health, but obviously in terms of impacting those we interact with. You must be thinking about that with your family and the baby. But you got to the crux of the question for us, which is what is travel going to mean to us going from here? How is it going to evolve? And hopefully those are some of the things we're going to talk about on some other episodes. We have so much to talk about. Spoiler alert, I made it home. But man, that really does feel like forever ago, right? A lifetime. It is so wild to listen to what was going on back then, especially with what we know now and what we still don't know about how things will progress from here. Thanks for listening to this peek back in time. And for more on this and other episodes, check out ConsciousTravelerPod.com and follow us on Instagram at ConsciousTravelerPod. We'd like to give special thanks to Matthew Carpenter, who composed the music you heard in this episode. 